Your Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Today is uh, the 11th day of the ninth month of the year AC 26, which is to say that 25 years, 8 months, and 3 days have passed since the beginning of the era, a day after uh, the Emperor Showa's uh, demise. And what time is it? Well, it's almost 7 o'clock, but it also, it just so happens that this is the 100th time I have the privilege uh, to attend a DIJ forum lecture, switching roles for once from host to uh, speaker. And this means it's about time for me uh, to move on. Before I do, it is my distinct pleasure uh, to share with you some thoughts about time. For time is everything. To begin with, let me introduce to you a remarkable timepiece not all of you may be familiar with. The Wadoke, or Japanese clock. This kind of clock is no longer in use except as a collector's item. It is also known by another name uh, which indicates why. The daimyo clock, the daimyo toke, or lord's clock, was a very expensive piece of work uh, that only feudal lords uh, could afford. If you are interested to uh, inspect uh, some uh, real-life uh, specimen, there's a little museum on the precincts of a former uh, feudal estate, not far from here in Nezu uh, Taitoku, uh, where you can see some of these uh, clocks for a symbolic entrance fee, which I uh, presume is mainly intended to reduce uh, the property tax uh, by making uh, part of the estate accessible to the public. However that may be, what is special about this clock is not uh, that it, less, it is less uh, precise uh, than the digital clock uh, you have on your smartphone, which uh, incidentally we would be highly appreciative if you uh, would turn it on back on after uh, the lecture. Um, it is not the lack of precision uh, that makes this clock special, but the fact that it is based on a different conception of time, a pre-modern conception. How to measure time has been a matter of curiosity uh, since antiquity, and doing so, the prerogative of the powers that be. Following the Chinese model, as in so many other things, the Japanese emperor has always been the lord of time. His uh, astrologer, astronomers and diviners, often in personal union, setting uh, the dates for festivals and other events throughout the year. Calendar and clock are thus instruments of power. Before we get into that, let us take a closer look 
at the daimyo clock, the face of the daimyo clock. On the face of it, literally, the clock doesn't look so strange. It is divided uh, into uh, 12 hours, as indicated uh, by uh, the numerals uh, on the inner circle um, and the associated uh, animal signs of the Chinese zodiac uh, on the outer circle. Um, noon is at nine, uh, the hour of the horse. The numerals one to three were not used because they have special significance to Buddhist practice. Um, and as you can see, uh, the, num uh, the numbers from uh, 4 to 9, or from uh, 9 to 4, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, are repeated, uh, whereas uh, the uh, zodiac signs are 12, uh, conforming to the 12-year circle within the 60-year circle of the Chinese uh, calendar. Since this is a 24-hour clock, the hours indicated uh, by uh, the uh, numerals and the zodiac signs are really two hours, or so it would seem. In actual fact, the koku, the hours, uh, as they are called in Japanese, koku, um, they weren't hours at all, because an hour is an hour. That is the whole point. Each hour is equally long, whereas a koku was not always 120 minutes, two hours, that is. But to be more precise, the koku was 120 minutes only twice a year at spring and autumn equinox when night and day are about equal length. Now we're coming closer to the meaning of the clock being divided in two. It is a division between day hours and night hours. Since except around equinox in March and September, day and night are not equally long, neither are the koku. What you can see here is the variation of night uh, and day in two-week intervals throughout the year. Now, if you divide uh, each of these columns uh, by 12, uh, it stands to reason uh, that the parts, the 12th between all of these columns, are not of equal length. Now, mapping this kind of variation onto the face of the clock is a considerable challenge. Here you can see um, uh, where the arrow indicates how much variation there is. Um, the daytime hour from the first month to the sixth month varies between one hour and 30-some minutes, or, uh, no, one hour and 50 minutes, and two hours and 38 minutes. Um, uh, that much variation uh, for the koku from month to month, uh, or let's say from, from day to day. And mapping these 
temporal or variable hours onto the face of the clock was a considerable engineering challenge. Now, some early Japanese clockmakers, robot designers, uh, if you like, uh, for example, uh, Yorinao Hosokawa Hanzo, also known as Karakuri Hanzo, they were quite aware of the problem and applied themselves to solving it. The solution they came up with is of considerable interest as it employs the balance spring to provide exactitude to what is fuzzy or indeterminate. The balance spring is a major invention uh, in clockmaking and time measuring uh, because it makes sure that each interval is equal length. Tick, tock, tick, tock, always the same interval. Now, what uh, these early Japanese clockmakers did is uh, quite surprising because um, they equipped the clock with two independently adjustable balance springs. At daybreak and nightfall, a lever had to be moved to switch from one to the other. In sum, the Wadoki was a clock that needed to be told what time it is, it is twice a day. Truly a little absurdity. Um, or to put it differently, the embodiment of a kind of contradiction in terms. The contradiction or the contrast being that between pre-modern and modern times. Threshold of modernity. Technology and culture interact in multifarious ways. One approach to analyzing this kind of interaction is from the point of view of time. For time has meaning, but only the meaning we assign to it as duration, as velocity, as rhythm, and as uh, dimension. The first mechanical clock arrived in Japan in the baggage of Christian missionaries together with the first guns in the 16th century. Technologically, as well as socially, guns and clocks share much in common. And it can be said without much exaggeration, or without any exaggeration, I would say, that the ticking of mechanical clocks changed the world no less than the thunder of guns. Both are precision instruments designed to achieve calculable results through the, uh, through the controlled coordination of assembled parts. As a means of social control in the industrial age, they served similar functions 
as instruments of suppression and exploitation. Clock time, measured by a mechanical device, is the epitome of modernity. And modernity is a shift towards the present. If this sounds trivial, it is not, really. For it means that the past, custom, tradition, age-old culture, is losing its grip on social organization and cohesion. When the missionaries brought clocks and guns, the Japanese weren't quite ready to adjust their life to either. This is why they furnished the clock ingeniously with a double balance spring. The double balance spring, the upper one, as uh, you can see here, uh, for daytime, and the lower one uh, for the nighttime. They were not prepared then to surrender to a new time regime that came in the garment of a calendar set by another lord, Anno Domini. They thought they could have the best of two worlds, the superior technology of the West and the superior spirit of their own traditional culture, a theme that would become topical later during the stormy years of the Meiji Restoration under the slogan, Wakon Yosai, <clears throat> Japanese spirit and Western expertise. But this was much later. For now, the Wadoki stood at the threshold of modernity, and it stood there counting the hours, or counting, rather, counting the koku, for quite some time. The daimyo clock embodies Japan's path to modernity. The Indians and the Chinese never made an attempt to replicate the European clocks when they first got to know these mechanical wonderworks for which they had little use. The Japanese did but not uh, with ma without making significant modifications to suit their own needs. From event time to clock time. In pre-modern societies, time is experience time or event time, a continuum closely connected with one's life, night and day, the visible rising and setting of heavenly bodies, the seasons. Clock time, by contrast, divides time into quantifiable, that is, discrete units detached from our experience. Event time means that an action or an event takes as long as it takes, takes as long as it takes to complete whereas clock time means that an event or an action is allotted a certain amount of time to be completed, prototypically the deadline that we all know. 
modern, uh, modernity transforms time into an object, a very abstract object, determining the rhythm of life rather than being derived from it. Objectified time enables societies to synchronize their activities, subjugating everyone to the same regime, as epitomized by school timetables, train schedules, and conveyor belt production. The conveyor belt in particular enunciates an an image of linear time as opposed to the circular image of the life cycle and the repetitive succession of the season, of the seasons, rather. Henri Bergson was the first modern philosopher to deal with quantified discrete time, that is, time external to human life. In his 1889 treatise, Sur les données immédiates de la conscience, interestingly translated uh, into Japanese as Jikanto Jiu, time and freedom. In this essay, he makes a systematic distinction between time in the scientific understanding of uh, as a spatial trajectory of a sequence of units and time as duration, that is, um, an indivisible whole of our experience. In the sense, um, in the sense of uh, duration, time may speed up or slow down. Whereas for science, it is always the same. Living by clock time, as opposed to event time, is what distinguishes modern from pre-modern societies, urban from rural lifestyles. The transition from one to the other has nowhere been more abrupt and pronounced than in Japan. Fukuzawa Yukichi, champion of Japan's modernization and foremost intellectual of his day, was among the first to understand the real meaning of modern times and that the bell had tolled for the Wadoki. He took Benjamin Franklin's saying that time is money at face value, published a treatise on the new time regime and cashed in on it heavily. Kaireki Ben became an immediate bestseller. Considering that in uh, the 1870s, when this booklet was published, the common people still needed to be instructed how the Western clock works, as opposed to the Wadoke and other traditional uh, timepieces. 
Considering this, it is truly astounding how quickly the new time system took hold. When the Meiji Constitution was promulgated in 1889, the very year when Henri Bergson's uh, treatise uh, was published, the Western clock already ruled supreme. As you can see, it was head and shoulders above the Grand Assembly, outranking the emperor himself. The emperor, Meiji emperor, obviously sits on an elevated throne. His prime minister, Ito Hirobumi, here. Ito Hirobumi. Nobody is above the emperor, emperor except for the majestic clock. The hour to cast off the fetters of traditional almanacs and time measurements, where every fiefdom had its own calendar, had struck. Japan uh, was ready to step on the world stage and join the global time regime, which only a few years earlier had started, had begun to take shape at the International Meridian Conference 1884 in Washington. There it was decided that the prime meridian for timekeeping, for longitude and timekeeping, should run to the center, through the center of the transit instrument at the Greenwich Observatory in the United Kingdom, the biggest power uh, on Earth at the time. The reason was simple. Britain had more ocean-going vessels using this meridian than the rest of the world put together. The new regime. In recognition of this undeniable fact, the Japanese accepted the new time regime, but this was just the beginning. Every household was to be equipped with a clock, postal service, compulsory education, and the military draft all contributed to the time management of society, which in marching step and at breakneck speed was set on a course of modernization and accelerating the rhythm of life. In the event, marching step is more than an illustrative metaphor of progress. It brings us back to the techno-social relationship between clocks and guns. The first time the pocket watch was used systematically on a large scale was during the Russo-Japanese War, 1904 and 5, when the Japanese army used pocket watches to coordinate attacks successfully. After that, the pocket watch became a highly sought-after award for bravery in the Imperial Army. And Seiko, as you can read here, Seiko, whose name can mean both sophistication and success, 
the first Japanese company to break the Western monopoly uh, for, of supplying um, timepieces by producing clocks and watches locally. Seiko was writing the first chapter of what would become a huge success story. The founder of the company, appropriately called Hattori Kintaro, the golden boy, embodied the Benjamin Franklin pronouncement more fully, perhaps, than anyone else. His motto, life is work. What he started as a one-man watch repair shop in the Ginza in the 1880s grew to become uh, one of the world's biggest watchmakers uh, a century later, Seiko Holdings. The watchtower on the Wako building in Ginza, which belongs to Seiko, is still a symbol of Japan's embrace of the Western time regime, where devotees gather on New Year's Eve to welcome the new year, that of the Gregorian calendar, of course. During the decades uh, that followed the founding of the company, the Japanese learned the virtue of punctuality, which became their second nature. Public campaigns, don't be late. In uh, the business of selling timepieces of every conceivable design to uh, people of every age, in combination uh, with the industrialization of life, turned Japan into a thoroughly time-disciplined society. The appropriation of time disciplined went hand in hand with the acceleration of the pace of activities in virtually all spheres of life. Just two examples. When the nationwide uh, postal service uh, was introduced in 1872, the delivery time from Tokyo to Nagasaki was set at, at the fast and proud 95 hours. At the, that time, and this is the other example, sumo wrestlers uh, could take as much time as they pleased uh, for preparation in the ring before the actual bout. Around to, uh, could take an hour or more. Today, this is different. Around is over in a few minutes, obeying to the broadcasting schedule. Everything has become faster and arrives, well, just in time. The Toyota production system became the symbol of an era. Just as parts had to be delivered exactly on time for assembly when they were needed, workers and pupils had to arrive at their place of work and study reliable, uh, reliably 
without delay. The punctuality of public transport became the pride of the nation. With an alarm clock in every bedroom, a quartz watch on every wrist, and commuter trains measuring their annual delay in minutes, there no longer was an excuse for being late. Train companies, therefore, started issuing delay certificates to mollify their passengers' anger when a delay did occur, most frequently caused by a distraught individual who, unable to endure the hustle, jumped in front of a train. Other than earthquakes, the most common cause of delay in uh, Tokyo's commuter trains. People who cannot keep up with the pace fall by the wayside. In this society, being socially adapted means being on time. Those who find this difficult or impossible withdraw from the time, from the time pressure exerted on their life. They are, in the best case, eccentrics, or they are pathological hikikomoriki kensha, persons who experience social withdrawal. If you are unable to align yourself with the temporal order of society, you are a neurotic outsider in need of therapeutic help. By and large, Japan embraced the Western time regime wholeheartedly. Here, time is money, became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Witness, for example, 5.3 billion, I repeat, 5.3 billion portions of instant noodles the Japanese produce annually. To celebrate this important achievement, they erected a very elegant museum in Yokohama, if you're interested. And according to a poll in the year 2000, looking back uh, on uh, uh, the century, the majority of the Japanese, when asked what was the most imp their most important invention uh, in the 20th century, said instant noodles, stress being on instant Japanese consumer society has also produced the naunaishito. The naunaishito uh, is not a modern person, but one who lives now, at the moment, without consideration of past and future consuming. There can be little doubt uh, that strict time discipline has contrib contributed substantially to Japan's rise. However, the maladapted uh, hikikomori variously estimated as 
constituting between 1 and 2.5% of the uh, entire population aged uh, 15 to 39. These maladapted individuals show that time discipline cannot be upheld without a measure of strain and, as well, some nostalgia for the good old days, the good old times. In the course of the 20th century, exactitude of time measurement and uh, reliability of commissioned work and scheduled events took on the quality of a moral virtue, manifesting itself in many technological innovations. A modern society, as I said before, is a society that runs by the clock. However, on occasion, the attempt at temporal rationalization and progress met with the inertia of culture. The sexagesimal system of keeping time, 60 minutes in an hour, is a cultural inheritance much older uh, than the oldest mechanical clock, a concept that well illustrates the meaning of path dependency. We walk the trodden path because it is convenient, because it relieves us uh, of the necessity to think up uh, alternatives, because our forbears did. We use the 60-minute hour before, uh, because our forbears did and so do the Japanese, although it is an obvious anachronism. Mind you, the Japanese adopted meters, decades, kilogram, liter, and they took, noted, uh, they took note of the millennium. So why not measure time on a metric base? As a matter of fact, Seiko developed and marketed a metric watch where the hour is uh, divided in 100 minutes. Unfortunately, it never caught on. Um, why? The established system is just too firmly entrenched. Another failed attempt at changing the conventional way of keeping time was a bit more quixotic. But it was indicative of the era when the time is money maxim was carried to excess. This is the Montu. The Montu, so-called, because it squeezes Monday and part of Tuesday into one day. And would, that, uh, would thus divide the temporal continuum into weeks consisting of six 28-hour days, a very convenient device for everyone who finds a 24-hour working day insufficient. Perhaps not really surprisingly, not even the most hard-nosed slave driver among Japanese managers forced their company personnel to wear uh, the monchu. 
And so it faded to, uh, into oblivion as a strange toy or perhaps as a reminder of the age of Karoshi or death by overwork. But memories of the good old times are sweet and maintained, albeit with a bit of self-deception. Take Oyatsu, for example. Oyatsu is a snack served at the eighth hour, Yatsu. That is, uh, of the old clock, of course, between sometime between 2 and 4 p.m. This is only idiomatic today, of course. Um, only few people in this audience, I would assume, about a handful of people uh, being aware of the uh, etymology. Similarly, the old calendar is forgotten by most people, especially how cumbersome it was and how difficult to calculate the extra month, weeks, and hours uh, that needed to be inserted every few years in order to avert digression uh, from the seasons. Yet seasonal events originating in the old calendar, such as um, Daikan, the big cold, or festivals such as Tanabata, the evening of the sevens, are still being celebrated, although they share with the original uh, only the name, having been rescheduled according to uh, the Western calendar. Newspapers print the year of the emperor's reign next to that of the common era, New Year greeting formulas mention early spring in anticipation of the season. The loony solar year began in February or March. Um, and occasionally the traditional names of the, mon of the old months of the loony solar calendar uh, are used, such as Kinusuragi, uh, changing clothes for February. But such references... Uh, today are of folkloristic significance at best. The important things, that is, business and government, work according to the Western time regime, which claims scientific validation and hence universal authority. Month, weeks, pausing for the Christian Sunday. New times. All the while, and overwork notwithstanding, Japan made great progress and underwent profound changes of its time framework that had for centuries been the self-evident determinant of her culture. For in the course of the 20th century, life became longer. The Japanese extended their lifespan quite unexpectedly by almost 100%. When their life expectancy at the beginning of the 20th century was just above 40, it was around 80 at its end. A human life 
lasts 50 years. This was proverbial since medieval times and held true more or less until World War II, that is basically yesterday. After that, after the middle of the 20th century, Japan's median age and life expectancy really took off, as you can see on the graph. It shows clearly the average Japanese have about, today, have about 30 years more to spend on this planet than their antecedents just a half a century ago. This led to one of the contradictions of our age. Life expectancy gains did not bring about a sense of having time to spare. You have 30 more years, but nobody feels they have more time. In the contrary, almost everyone is subjugated to the tyranny of the moment, to cite the title of Thomas Highland Erickson's insightful book on the matter. Tyranny of the moment? Think of it. When did you last not press the closed door button in the lift? When did you not answer your email within the hour, or at least within the day? The last gadget is a watch, a smart watch, that ties you, that chains you to your email, night and day. That's the tyranny of the moment. And while Japan may be spearheading this development, this is a global rather than a Japanese uh, phenomenon. By adopting in 1872 the Western time regime, Japan propelled herself irreversibly on a course of globalization, like it or not. Yet this hardly means that the world is in synchrony. If it were, it would be in harmony, which, as we all know, it is not. Profound differences remain as to how much time people spend and need to spend on what. Think of it. How much time do, you, do we need to procure a glass of potable water? How much time do you spend reading? Singing, praying, playing online games. The answers to these and similar questions indicate that the observable asynchronies are cultural and developmental differences that find expression in temporal patterns and time regimes that govern our day, year, and life. Time is everything. If you understand time, you understand everything. Needless to say, I don't profess that I understand time, but I do understand that our understanding of all things revolves around time. Our concepts of time 
have changed with our understanding of the universe and it has become more difficult rather than easier to say exactly what time is. One thing is clear, however, that time is not. It is not money. The fact that this notion, time is money, proved so suggestive and has been embraced so unreservedly by the Japanese once they had uh, deposited uh, the wadoke on the dust heap of history, this fact only means that every culture, every society, and every time has its own time. The two balance springs of the wadoke embodied the contradictions of Japanese culture at the threshold of modernity. Today's contradictions are symbolized by another balance, popularly known as work-life balance, which, if we trust the Ministry of Health and Labor, concerns only men of a certain age. I believe that in this age and day, our time conception is undergoing changes as dramatic as those the Japanese experienced when they surrendered uh, to the Western time regime uh, in the Meiji period. The linear conception of time as orderly unidirectional progression epitomized by telegraphy and conveyor belt is being replaced as we watch by one of simultaneity of the disorderly co-presence of everything that was and is epitomized of course by the internet but this ladies and gentlemen is uh, the subject of another paper I thank you for your patience Time's up. <laughs>